Hey friends, I want you to check out my Past Life Lady YouTube channel that has tons of free videos that teach you how to do all kinds of things from energy healing, gem and mineral healing. I've got guided imagery up there for you. So check it out. Just go over to YouTube and type the words Past Life Lady in the search bar and hit subscribe. And I'll look forward to welcoming you over to my channel today. The Healing Arts Program is not intended as a substitute for consultation with a licensed medical or mental health professional. The listener should regularly consult a physician or mental health professional in matters relating to his or her health, and particularly with respect to any symptoms that may require diagnosis or medical attention. This program provides content related to educational, medical, and psychological topics. As such, listening to the program implies your acceptance of this disclaimer. Welcome to Healing Arts. I'm your host, Dr. Shelley Kerr. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I hope you had an amazing week. So in this season, we're continuing to talk to fiction writers. And so my friend Vicki Lewis-Thompson is a New York Times bestselling romance writer. And I'm talking to her and her daughter, Audrey Sharp, today. Audrey does science fiction. I don't want to spoil the surprise, but um, basically I met Vicki several years ago when I was in Tucson for one of my many annual pilgrimages to the Tucson Gem and Mineral Show. So we'll talk all about that, and I hope you have fun listening to a couple of really fun people. My friends, Vicki and Audrey. Hey, my friends. Welcome to another episode of Healing Arts. So we are on a journey to talk with artists, creators, writers, and today I have one of my favorite people, Vicki Lewis-Thompson, and her amazing daughter, Audrey Sharp are on the show. So I have to tell you about how I met Miss Vicki Lewis-Thompson. She is a New York Times bestselling author of some amazing romance novels about nerds. And she writes about cowboys. She's just been just super, super successful. And many of you know that um, back in the early 2000s in particular, when I was writing a lot of my gem and mineral healing books, I used to go out to Tucson to the gem and mineral show every year. That was kind of like my, my pilgrimage or whatever. And so while I was there, I was simultaneously doing some fiction writing and I had joined Romance Writers of America. And so I just happened to look on the internet and I was like, oh my gosh, they're having a chapter meeting in Tucson. And so I went over there and I met Vicki at lunch and we became friends. And she's just had an amazing career. And so Vicki and Audrey, welcome to Healing Arts. It's so good to see you. Thank you. And I still have that first um, book that you were writing at the time. And then it came out, the, uh, the first one. I, I don't know if it was the first one you did on gem healing or not, but I remember getting it and reading it and learning a lot, so. 
Amazing. Yeah, that was, that was back in the days when gemstone journeys first came out. That was a long time ago. <laughs> well, yeah, it, was. it was, I'm thinking early, you know, 2006, seven, somewhere out in there, maybe. Yeah, somewhere. real early. Yeah. And then when did you, when did you first hit the New York Times with your nerd books because I feel like I knew you when that happened and that was a really amazing accomplishment and a really huge deal well yeah so maybe it was before that 2003 oh 2003 okay mm -hmm. wow yeah. that is incredible July of 2003 is when I actually hit because that's when um I was on the show on the Kelly Ripa you know back then it was Richardson <laughs> Kelly <laughs> And Regis has since passed on, but um, yeah. Yeah, it was, um, I know it doesn't seem that long ago, but it was. <laughs> it was a while ago. Yeah. So the books, friends, um, the nerd books, they're very, very cute. Your writing is amazing. Um, Vicky's a great comedian and just a really <laughs> fun author to read. So what, tell us about some of your new material that you're working on now. Well, um, I kind of have left the nerds behind and I keep having people ask me about them, but to be honest, um, that, that was something I wanted to write then. And I've decided that now cowboys are more my jam. So uh, they're, they're a little more alpha, but they're still really nice guys. I don't, I don't write the rough, tough, um, rude guys. <laughs> Mine are, are very sweet. And they're gentlemen. they're gentlemen, they are, they're cowboys are known for being uh, polite and um, considerate and kind to animals and children and women. And so I, I really build on that. I, um, I just, so I have written, I started writing a cowboy series for Harlequin while I was still traditionally published and those did really well. And then when I finally decided that Indy was the place to be, um, I, I thought, well, I have this cowboy audience. I should see if it'll transfer. And, and it pretty much has, it's been awesome. I just, that's, that was my, my first foray in indie was another cowboy series, which turned out to be 17 books long. And now I'm on a second series that currently is the eighth book is about to come out. And I, I gently linked the two together. So uh, people who read up through 17 had a, a little sort of invitation to, to go. I had characters that moved back and forth between the two worlds. So, um, so they were kind of led gently to the new one. And, um, and so I'm, I'm enjoying that. And I'm about to wind that up at some point and, and go find a new series, but I, I really, I'm having a good time with the whole cowboy world, really. It's, um, it's a nice escape right now, as a matter of fact. Yes. <laughs> because uh, there's I've no- I've always thought romance is an escape. Isn't that why we want romance? That's, I mean- that's, that's why we want romance and, and my little towns, you know, don't have any pandemic going on. And I, I, well, and I thought, you know, if I put that in, it would really date the books. And I, I didn't, and then, so I, I'm giving my readers a place to go where 
we don't have to wear masks. <laughs> I think that's what we want. And speaking of that, Audrey, you know, the other place that I personally love to escape to is science fiction. <laughs> and Audrey's a science fiction writer. <laughs> Tell us about your, your science fiction. Ah, well, um, my science fiction series, I started writing it back in 2013. First book was published in 2015. And um, my main character, um, she's half alien, half human. And her alien side gives her um, metaphysical abilities that most of humans have not developed. Although a lot of it's based on, I, the concept that I had in mind was if we took human potential to its fullest extreme, if we really focused on all the possibilities of mind-body connection that we've seen things people do and achieve, and you know some of the things that the Buddhist monks have done, or you know I did a lot of research about that, um, what would happen? You know what what could actually be the ultimate development of that? And so she has these abilities. The the race of of beings that she's from have these abilities, and um, and so a lot of of the series deals with those things and how they impact her life and the lives of the people that she interacts with. And she's also the captain of her own ship. It's a really cool ship that's of alien design. So, you know, there's that too. But, Yay. Um, yeah. So it's, it's girl it's, power. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I kind of, I, it's, it's Star Trek esque, but, um, but the women definitely have a lot of control and, and there's uh, yeah. <laughs> women 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 rule for the most part in this they're they're they tend to be really powerful fun people again it sounds like a planet we all want to be on let's just put it that way <laughs> sign me up come pick me up in the ship audrey i'm ready um here's a question i have audrey so your mother has been writing for many years she's been very successful have you also always wanted to write or did you develop this interest because of her i guess i have to ask um i fought it tooth and nail um <laughs> I mean, not when i was a kid when i was a kid i loved to write and and i did write a lot and um you know i had the best editor and teacher in the world so um so yeah i did do a lot of writing when i was in grade school high school like that but um like most teenagers you don't want to be what your parents are and you know, she started writing back when I was in grade school. So, um, so I was determined that that was not going to be what I was going to do. And so I went and sought out other jobs and other paths for many, many years. And um, and then one day I got this character, Aurora, my main character, talking in my head, and she wouldn't shut up. And I just and then she started bringing her friends, and it's like, okay, I've got two choices. I can either go crazy or I can start writing this down, and maybe it'll silence the, the voices in my head. And um, actually neither happened. <laughs> the voices didn't go silent. They just kept talking, but I, we worked it out. Um, so now <laughs> I write their stories and we're both happy, so. And she was doing this in stealth mode. Yeah. She did not tell me what she was up to <laughs> at all until, until the book, book was done. Until the book was done. Yeah. Amazing. So I had no idea that, that she was over there quietly, you know, doing this. <laughs> So well, was the book already published? It, you know, there's there's the whole what if I yeah if I didn't get it done or you know because I didn't know I'd never actually yeah. yeah this was this was an animal project but once I was done and I felt okay gonna launch this and there will be more but, books then I could tell her because but how how she kept this a secret I don't know because we see each other almost every day and you know we do things together we go on vacation together 
and and still I I could not have done that. She that that shows she the difference in our two personalities because I can keep a secret. She can keep a secret. Yeah. I would have I've just been bursting with, you know, if it was that much of a part of my my dreams and so forth. I, I could never have done that, but she did. But it's been awesome because from the moment, I mean once I told her and she has been my editor since then. So, you know, you couldn't ask for a better editor than a New York Times bestseller. And um, I started editing for her around the same time. And so we, we trade edits of each other's books. I've got a built-in story buddy if I have problems or questions or, or a sounding board. And um, so, yeah, we just, we get to talk about writing a lot and have so much fun with it. She left out the part about how I was jumping up and down and well, dancing yes. around the room. And, <laughs> oh my God, my daughter is going to be a writer. Woo! Yeah, it's fantastic. I, I, you know, I always kind of hoped, but she didn't in, give any indication and you don't want to be one of those parents who's <laughs> doing this. So I had to grow up. You know, and so get past that teenage. So when she told me, I was, oh my gosh, I was so excited. I, and, and I continue to be excited because her books are fabulous. Yeah. And what's also cool, I would think, is because you both write different genres, then it mm -hmm. is probably very entertaining for each of you to read the other material. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Because it's nothing that she does. She writes things I would never write. Although I did write one sci fi romance, but it's still very different from what she's writing. And yeah. So it's. But it's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> you're a real hard critic can you tell <laughs> yeah you guys are tough guys, well audrey's very tough if she kept that secret be different i don't just give you a pass but um but yeah since she hasn't been writing romance while well, she's been reading romance sure obviously mine and other people's um and she really has a very nice touch so so i this book was special to me because you know she was kind of playing in my sandbox and doing a bang up job of it so that was fun i think this is fantastic your background is so gorgeous and you two just look so sweet it's just so great to meet audrey finally and you're still in the tucson area correct yes oh, yeah in fact yeah, that's, that's very that's very indicative this this mural i wanted it to look like it could be here, but it's actually, I mean, I want it to be desert kind of, and there's an agave um, plantation back there if we should want to go into the tequila making business. But um, but I wanted it to be Baja, which I have gotten to go to um, on a kayaking trip. And, and so way in the background, there's there's water. But, um, but nice. yeah, found a local artist who just did a wonderful job. And and so, so I, I have that instead of the mirrors. I think I told you that, that this is a 70s house. And so on this wall, they had mirrors, which um, yes. I didn't want. So, yeah, <laughs> so I think no, it looks fantastic. So a little Mexican hacienda. Mm -hmm. I love it. I love it. I love Tucson. That's one of my favorite cities in the whole world. I love it there. Well, you need to come back. I know we need to get out of this lock. Well, we're in Texas. We're not really locked down anymore, I guess. So it's only a matter of time before I'm going to break free and start getting in my car and going somewhere. So I know, we'll I know. Yeah, we're same. You know, yeah, because we were traveling fools up until mm -hmm. 2020. Yep. Yep. Oh, yeah. It's been an interesting year. 
So here's a question I have, Vicki. So because you have been traditionally published by some of the biggest publishers in the world, and now you've evolved into this new uh, partnership with Audrey, how do you compare it or are you happier or how would well, you describe this evolution? Yeah, I don't know. Are you happier? <laughs> I, yes, I'm happier. I, I can't say that, you know, the, the, it was a journey and a path and it was the right one. There, indie publishing wasn't available when I started right. and, um, and I learned a lot. I, I, I really had a lot of good experiences with editors who, you know, I got a lot of different perspectives. I, I counted up one time and I think I had 20, 25 different editors over the course of the time that I worked in traditional publishing. And each one had a little different style. So, and I got really good at being edited because <laughs> I was edited a lot. So I got over myself. Um, so there was a lot of excellent training there and I had fabulous opportunities while I was with traditional publishing, I got to go to, um, well, I got to stay in the Beverly Hills Hotel one time. I, I got to go to Greece one time and give a talk in Greece. And um, yeah, and I, you know, there were, there were special things all the way through. I got to meet some fabulous people. Um, but that said, uh, when it, the indie path became open, I was, I'm basically want to be my own boss anyway, which is why I went to, you know, as an author, you're somewhat your own boss. You, you really don't have a boss. You have an editor and a publisher, but then you can t pick up your marbles and go home if you want, or you can change and go to a different, I mean, it's, you really are. And you, you set your own schedules to some extent, you have a deadline, but how you fill that, you know, fulfill that contract is kind of up to you. And I've always loved that. And this mm -hmm. is like that on steroids because I don't answer to anybody except I need to be, you know, thinking about Audrey and her time and, and coordinate with her and so forth. But right. what I write, when I write it, when I turn it in, we agree on that so that we have, you know, she's not getting something at the last minute that we've already put up on pre-order or something like that. So, so we have to work that out. But if I wanna make a series 30 books long, I could do it. It's probably not a good idea, but, um, but, I I could, <laughs> but, but it, I, whatever decisions I make, you know, if I wanna write about cowboys today and tomorrow I decide I'm gonna to totally change and write about, uh, I don't know, superheroes I wouldn't but um I can I can I, I might have to take the the hit if it's a bad decision and I'm I'm you know going away from what maybe is the best business decision but the business decisions are mine to make and I Great. love that I I get to affect through Audrey has helped me a lot with advertising through Amazon huge amount and um and so she's and I've started picking up some of the other ads myself, Facebook ads and BookBub ads and so forth. But, but you can affect whether your book sells or not majorly. I mean, um, if I can get a BookBub ad, I will, I will have tremendous sales for that period of time that the BookBub feature deal is out. 
the one that they make you apply for. <laughs> but um, but yeah, there's uh, there's all kinds of opportunities to um, to guide your career that aren't available because um, I can do price changes. Actually, Audrey does price changes because she's yes. the one who does uploading and so forth. But um, so I have to ask her if it's doable. But you can decide, I'm gonna drop the price. I'm even gonna make something free for a while and then use that as a marketing tool. And um, I remember working with Harlequin and at one point I convinced them to drop the first book in a series to 99 cents, but, but they didn't want to. And, and I had a long cowboy series with them. And, and when they did drop it to 99 cents, that book went up to like 94 in the Amazon store because you can get that kind of thing if you know it had never been discounted now it's probably you know people are more used to that kind of discount so that was like five or six years ago but um but it it worked and I think they're maybe starting to do that a little bit more now watching how the indies because the Indies manipulate price a lot. And I think they're, they're seeing how that works and it probably wouldn't be such a battle to get somebody to do it now, but it was then. And, oh, um, yeah. and so, so yeah, the control that I have and, and Audrey saw what I, well, you can tell that. Tell what? <laughs> <laughs> Why you decided to go Indie from the get-go. Oh, well, yeah, I, I just, I watched her whole career and seen the pitfalls and, you know, the, the benefits and the, the hazards. And um, I think I'm even more of a control person than she is. I really like being responsible for whatever it is that's happening. If I'm going to fail, that would be because I did, did or didn't do something as opposed to somebody else. So, um, yeah, I never really even considered submitting to any of the New York houses because I wanted to retain that creative control. I wanted to be in charge of the, the fate of my characters and my series. And so um, I just dove in with both feet and never looked back. I think that's great. I'm, um, you know, nonfiction <clears throat> primarily, but I was self-publishing my nonfiction mm -hmm. back when everybody told me I was an idiot. And uh, um, no, because people weren't doing that. You see, you were a pioneer. Mm -hmm. Now I've got a publisher though. <laughs> so I'm going the opposite. While all of you are running, kicking and screaming out of the publishers, I'm like, okay, I'm ready. <laughs> so I find that it's interesting, you know, because the publisher, I think, well, first of all, because I have published other writers in the past in the deep past. And when you have done it yourself for so long, you know, you just don't give your publisher a lot of lip. I mean, you just kind of try to get along with everybody. So, but the other thing is, it feels like they are able to give me different doors that are opening in different places that maybe I couldn't have done on my own, or it seems to be picking up the sales for some of my earlier stuff, which is interesting. But yeah, there is that control thing. So I still always have some that I'm self-publishing and then I'm throwing a couple out to the publishers now. And so it's been kind of interesting. So, so I know what you're, you're talking about, Audrey. I mean, about this, this you know, just knowing that you're in control of it. A lot of my nonfiction is going to turn into courses and stuff. So sometimes I want to retain the control for those reasons and stuff because um, they become online classes now. Now that in the last year, everything had to go online, as you know. So <laughs> it's been quite a, quite a ride, to say the least. So um, if, I guess 
I, I always remember, Vicki, you telling me that you just made a decision one day several years ago. You wanted to write for Harlequin. You were going to do this and you just dug in and you figured out how to break through. So would you still recommend that kind of dedication to anyone who wants to write or do you think it's different or it's not necessarily easier to actually make sales as an indie author, but would you give that same advice to people? Um, I think the, 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 well, the person who wants to break in, you're talking about somebody who decides that, that they've either written a book or they're planning to write a book and they don't know which path to take. Yeah. Uh, I think it depends a lot on the person's reason for wanting to publish in the first place. Um, if you if you really want to see a book on the shelf, my books aren't on the shelf anymore. Uh, they used to be when I was with traditional publishing, and and your um, books I assume can, you can buy in bookstores. Your you know whatever project you're doing, uh, they have accounts with Barnes and Noble or whoever. Um, I I I would have to be willing. I could do it but I would have to be willing to take the hit. I, if I could get them to order in, they, they might because we're publishing through Ingram. And so you, right. the books would be available. Um, I do paperbacks and people can order the paperbacks from Barnes and Noble site or from Amazon. Um, but I could get them probably if I worked it right to actually carry the books in the store, but then I'd have to be willing to take the returns. And that, right. that's, that's a, that's kind of pricey thing to do. So, um, so I'm, I'm not looking to do that at this point, but if someone has always dreamed of having a book on a bookstore shelf, then that's something to be taken into consideration. If that person doesn't really care whether it's on a bookstore shelf and they're happy to have a, you know, make a paper back out of either through Amazon or Barnes and Noble or Ingram and just have it orderable, then uh, indie to me has a lot of advantages for a first time writer because you, you could spend years submitting your book, trying to get an agent if you think you need one and maybe you do, um, getting rejected, you know, trying somebody else. I don't know what the word is now on multiple submissions, but it used to be, oh, you're not supposed to do that. I think now you can, I don't know, and maybe now you can do it, but, um, but it really, it's a long, long arduous path in most cases. And even houses that, that do a lot of books like Harlequin, it's in there. It, and, and then once you sell the book, that's the other part. Once you sell the book, it's going to be, uh, anywhere from eight or nine months to a year to maybe longer before your book comes out. Right. I just finished writing a book, last editing, the doing the revisions last Sunday night and it's coming out May 7th. And that's, <laughs> and that's because Audrey and I have total control. Right. And, and we, it's been up for pre-order now for several days too. So it's, you know, people can order it now. And I just, because you can put up something for pre-order, even if the final file is not ready, because you can put up whatever file you have, because it won't go out 
and as long as you <laughs> upload a new better file, which, um, you know, we always do. Yes, we do. <laughs> so nobody's going to get the rough draft. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's really um, much more immediate. And so therefore, um, the new writer can get something out there much faster. And then if they, if they really dig in and, and write constantly, if they really give themselves to it, they can also maybe have three or four books in a year their first or second year and and so then their visibility is greater whereas if you're just starting out and you get one book and then maybe the next year you'll get another book it's really harder to to hook readers and have them know who you are and and like you probably already had already built a name built a reputation so it wasn't like you had to start from scratch but if you're starting from scratch um I think indie is a better way to start from scratch if you're willing to, you know, put in some of the work on the business side. Yeah, all the work. I mean, there's that's the, the thing. Yeah, all you, the work. There's a lot of work. And there, I, there is a lot. I think there are also writers who think, oh, I can just write it and then that's it. And when you are the publisher, it's all that. It's you're deciding on the cover. You're you're in charge of getting the editing done. You're in charge of the formatting and the uploading and all of the accounting and you know. So, so there are plenty of people who don't want to do any of that. And right. So it. You know, if you're if it's if a writer's that kind of writer, it's like, well, then don't go indie because nobody's going to do that for you. Absolutely, I I think also what you said about just how long it's going to take for something to come out. That's really also one of the primary reasons why I started doing it by myself because in nonfiction, you know, it even in my first book that came out, it had a celebrity writing a foreword for it, Dr. Raymond Moody. Um, but yet I still couldn't get anyone to publish it in time to give a presentation that was coming up in a couple months. So I just kind of had no choice <laughs> but to publish it myself. And then I thought, well, I've done it and, you know, people are buying it. So let's just keep going, you know, so then this kind of turned into something. So now it's many years later i've been doing past life regressions for years and years but hadn't really released a lot of my case material so that's what my publisher's doing now so it's stuff that's i've been doing this for years but it's just now so it's new to some people but it's not that new to me and it's kind of been interesting and i don't mind that it's coming out years from now like they've got me booked out now to like 2023 already which sounds like a science fiction movie to me but i don't know that sounds very futuristic but it doesn't bother me because I have other smaller books that I'm putting out in the interim. So I think there's some weird mix here that seems to be kind of cool. Sure. Well, yeah. And, and you're, so your hybrid is what it amounts to. I think that's what the term is and, and you're making that work for you, which is awesome. And I, you know, I think it can work mm -hmm. um, beautifully for some people. The other thing is that um, I have Audrey. And almost everybody, everybody, who I am so lucky. I'm jealous, and she just lives around the corner from me, and you know, so, so, I think that's huge, and yes, most people don't necessarily have an Audrey, um, but but they might have people in their lives, or they might be able to find through various forums and stuff. They find the people to help because mm -hmm. it is a lot of work. And um, sometimes you can um, start out small where if you don't have much money, you know, to hire people, you can start out small, but you still can get some help, a virtual assistant who's willing to 
who might be doing it for other people. So she, she or he was willing to do it a part-time thing for you. So, so there are avenues. Right. You don't have to be the Lone Ranger, but, um, but the kind of help that Audrey gives me is premium. <laughs> I can't yeah. And that's, you know, that, that is, I'm very blessed. Yeah, you are. I mean, I her, think it's fantastic. <laughs> she did put in her dues beforehand, so. <laughs> okay, well, there you go. <laughs> I read the, I don't know if you read this, maybe you did, but, you know, Stephen King's memoir about writing, where oh, he yeah, talks sure. about his ideal reader. So she's your yeah. ideal reader, and you've got yeah. her right there helping. I mean, I think that's really cool. Well, so. and, and he's so right, you know, and, and the other thing that I've learned is that by being indie, I'm, I don't have that, um, there, there was almost like a, I, I shouldn't say a wall between me and the readers, but it just wasn't as permeable as to, to speak with them. Now, some of the writers overcame that, but I, I never quite did. And so I would get reader mail, but it would come like months after they sent it, because first it would go to Harlequin. And I... I didn't know how to build up that personal connection. And as an indie, I have so much more of a personal connection to readers. And so I know who my ideal reader is. I didn't know that back when I was writing for traditional publishers. I, I didn't understand that. You know, one of the th great things and readers, we're gonna put her website up so you can see this, but you know, Vicki, you write us every month because I'm on your mailing list and you ask us the nosy newsletter question. <laughs> she asks us some really far out question like, do you want a cowboy with a beard or should he have a mustache? You know, and I think, aren't you getting a lot of information from our answers? Oh yeah, oh yeah. I would love to read that. That's gotta be interesting. I, I, I don't know if every, I mean, I love, I love asking the questions. I don't know how I came up with that, but I, I just, it, it's been so much fun. And, and the questions are sort of like the Seinfeld show, you know, they're about nothing, but, um, but they really aren't about nothing because I find out so much about people. And, um, and this latest one where I was asking, what would you sing as a round? Um, and I discovered that row, row, row your boat is what everybody would sing, which I kind of figured. But um, then I have people saying, well, I would, um, if I could just sing a round two, and then she gave me some alternative music thing, and I had to go look it up. And it's, it's this song that's all about the pandemic, and it's really hard hitting, but I would never have listened to that. I would never have known it existed. Um, and, and I... I'm finding out all kinds of things like that. And I, I have readers who are, who just do amazing things and have very creative lives. And I, I just, and they share with me and, and it's just a rich experience really to be able to do that. And, um, and I love it. I, I didn't have that kind of close connection before. And it's, it's just really well-written. The your questions are very clever and it's incredibly engaging. And I just, I just, I love it. Cause I'm always kind of looking forward to that just to see what you're going to ask. And yeah, it, you even, you have to think about it even to answer you back. You know, sometimes I'll look at it. I'll leave it for a week while I'm thinking about what you're asking, because believe it or not, you know, it takes a while sometimes. Oh, oh no, good. I know. <laughs> it takes in, in, a a good in a good way, in a good way, you know? So I think that's cool. Well, I'm, I, I do, I have, 
a lot of fun and it's something that I I had a newsletter before I went indie, but uh, it wasn't like this. Yeah, I could see that would be that would be challenging if it's sitting at the publisher's office for months on end before it reaches you. That would be yeah, kind of challenging. So, Audrey, are you still writing your same series with the same character or are you on to a next series or what's happening next? No, um, I my, my books are getting steadily longer and longer. My last one was um, about 800 pages. So, yeah. <laughs> wow, so, you're like Lord of the Rings. Uh-huh, yeah. So I'm working on book five of my main series. Um, I do also have a, a side trilogy that um, came out two years ago um, that's connected to the, to the main series. It, it branches off of book three. Yeah, three. <laughs> um, with some other characters that showed up in that book and then I wanted to find out what happened to them. So I wrote a whole trilogy to, to explain their story and then they're gonna weave back into the main line in a few books. So um, all this comes together. And then the, the sci-fi romance I wrote is actually the story of how my main character's parents met and fell in love. So that's what wow. sparked that idea. So, so, so all, the, all the books weave together and I have a couple of short stories as well that I'll give away um, to readers and that, that tells some more detail about their lives. But yeah, I just love this, this crew. I love this, my main character, Aurora. Um, she just speaks to me and there's so much that they still have to do. They're, they're tackling some big problems. And um, so it's gonna take a while to, to tell that story. Did you grow up loving science fiction or did oh. Aurora just come talk to you and this is kind of, or both? <laughs> no, I no, no, I was, I was, I was the kid who was Princess Leia for Halloween. I was the kid who was watching Star <laughs> Trek and, and quoting lines from the movies and stuff when I was a kid. Yeah, I, my brother and I both were huge into sci-fi. That's, that was our first passion. We had all the little action figures for Star Wars. We had you know, movie posters on our walls. And yeah, so science fiction has been my jam for my whole life. And um, I don't know why it never occurred to me to write science fiction, because it, it just didn't. I, anytime I thought about writing, I just, I'm like, well, why would I want to do that? You know, I don't know what I'd write about. And then um, funny, the thing that actually prompted me to write, and this will tell you I'm a sci-fi fan, um, was I went and saw the movie Star Trek Into Darkness. And there was something about that story. I don't know what it was. I can't pinpoint it. But um, I saw it and, and it was coming out of the theater from that and walking to my car. That's the first time I heard Aurora starting to talk in my head, kind of this what if. And wow. You reminded me, I like to go because I'm working by myself all the time. I go to a lot of comic cons and, you know, different <laughs> weird festivals that are in Dallas. And I saw Carrie Fisher from a distance. I didn't get to shake her hand or anything. And God bless her. You know, she's left us too soon. I know. Yeah, and beamed up to us, her yeah. ship in the sky. Yeah, yeah, that so. broke my heart. Yeah, absolutely. That's I, I like going around and looking at these celebrities for some reason. It's just so entertaining. But, but yeah, I could see that. So you were spoken to by Aurora. So as a general rule, you just let you're just watching the movie and kind of taking dictation so would you consider yourself more of what we would call a panster rather than a plotter or do you see the whole story in advance and you kind of have the outline and there's a few surprises or how would you describe that um i would say i'm definitely a panster and if you would gotten my newsletter last month you would really know um because i recently on the book i'm working now i tried to be more of a plotter because i have 
friends who are, you know, oh, well, this just makes it go, the writing goes so much faster. And if I, you know, if I break it down and they've got all their beats and their scenes and they know exactly what's going to happen. And so um, I decided, okay, well, maybe on this one, I need to be a little more like that. I need to have more of a plan of here's what's going to happen. And so I was writing and writing and getting more and more frustrated and fewer words. Um, and I finally hit a point where it was, it was a humility point where it's like, I should not have listened to that because that's not the way I write, you know, or at least not the way I write now. Now, maybe in the future it will be, but um, I had all these elements that I was trying to force rather than listening to the characters and let them tell me what was supposed to come right. next. I was trying to make them do the things that were on my list when it said that they were supposed to do them and it didn't work. So when I finally accepted, okay, you know, so I've got to fix this. Then I looked at the story again and sort of, you know, listened in to what they were saying. And it's like, okay, all these elements can still be in the story, but you need to let them tell you where they're supposed to happen. And once I did that, scenes just started to reshuffle themselves and the flow came through. And now I'm very happy with where it's going and the words are coming again. And so, so that was a recent lesson. I mean, you think, you know, eight books, I, I would have figured that out already, but no, I, I think it's writers. We, we, we often forget what we know or we forget to trust what we know. And so, um, so that was a learning experience just recently that I went through, but I'm, I definitely am much more of a pantser. I just, I have, I have my end game. I know where my series is going to end. I, I know exactly where that point is that I'm running to, but as far as what the path's gonna look to get there, not a clue. I just have, I have ideas of who's gonna show up that, that will show up, but then I've had whole books where the, the pivotal turning point that made the story when I, I didn't know it was gonna happen until I wrote it. And then it was suddenly like, oh, so that's what's there. That's what's gonna happen. That's what the thing is. And then some of those moments, they, they affect the whole rest of the series. So, you know, I, I love that about the writing. I love not having that worked out in advance, just letting those discoveries come and, and guide me. And entertain you, don't you think? Because yeah. we've got to be entertained fun. ourselves, I would think, to do something. Yeah, that's so fun. Because if you can surprise yourself, you'll surprise your readers and they'll get that same, oh, how cool idea. You know, that same feeling that you did when you wrote it and suddenly this thing just pops out. So absolutely. So Vicky, on that same note, I guess if you're doing category romances at Harlequin, obviously that's a that's a formula there. So do you find now that you you've gone on from that are you able to do more are yeah, you still a plotter or are you a panster more or I guess well, the truth is though in those things people want what they want right I, I don't know I was just wondering what you think about that <laughs> well and I've I've changed my process a lot you know several times and um, when I was with Harlequin in the beginning in order to sell a book you had to give them some sort of a synopsis, outline, whatever, or else you didn't get a contract. You didn't have to write the whole, first you had to write the whole book when you were brand new. And then after you had sold them a few books, then you could just sell a book on, a, on an idea, but it had to be a you know, plotted out thing. So okay. I, had to, I had to learn how to plot. Um, and usually the books kind of followed that outline but as I continued with them, and I was with them a lot of years, finally, they, they began to just give me contracts. And I didn't have to show them anything, which was really wonderful. And I had a lot more freedom then. But 
Um, but then, I, but I still thought, I, I used to have work with plotting groups. We, a bunch of friends would get together and we'd plot each other's books and, you know, brainstorm and everything. And I thought that was the answer. And uh, I was still in, you know, I need to plot. I really need to plot. I didn't like it, but I felt, you know, it was, I had to do that. And then was it two years ago that we went to that conference, went to a conference in Vegas and I heard a guy speak um, and he was describing his process and, and how, how he, <laughs> he didn't plot out at all. He started with a situation and a couple of characters and a title and then he just went and he just kept cycling back, cycling back until he finally got to the end and that's how he did it. And I, I just like the heavens opened up and I thought, oh, that's really what I want to do. And so I threw away all my plotting stuff and I decided I don't, I'm not going to. So, so I embraced that idea, but I think up until then I had been pretty well brainwashed that you needed to plot or it wasn't going to be a good book. And well, and when you're starting out, and if you don't understand story structure, because that's the other thing, right. you know, I grew right. up with a writer, so I understood story structure. And, and when I first started writing, I was studying three-act structure and, and just, you know, checking to make sure what I was writing fit the parameters. So you do have to understand that, but I think at some point you develop a sort of inherent rhythm with mm -hmm. that. And so you can let some of that slide because your, your subconscious is filling it in. Right. Because yeah, your mom isn't going to mess up a story at this point. No. We already well, know that. No. Right. Plot. And, and it will you know. have a romance shape, you know, that right. the, the word formula is probably not really true so much. It never was true, but it, it got tossed around a lot. Um, but a romance needs to have a certain shape. Um, you need, in most cases, to get the characters together fairly soon because otherwise you've got these long, you know, chapters where one is without the other and that, that doesn't, that's truly not a romance, it's something else. Um, if it's a romance, you need to get them together, you need to have them interact a lot. Um, whether you have sexy times or not, that's an, that's an individual decision and, and how much or when and so forth. But, but your, your whole idea is building that relationship and then, having a conflict that they must overcome, having a time when it looks like they won't overcome it, and then finding ways that from the way the characters behave that they will overcome it. And, and it's gonna, it's like a crime novel has to have a body of mystery, I should say, a body of, you know, clues, and then eventually solving, you know, building to the, the solving of the mystery. Right. The shape that that people who love that kind of book, love that genre, want. And if you don't give them what they want, what they expect, mm -hmm. they're probably not going to buy your next book. Right. So it's really a matter of do you want to please the reader who comes to you for this kind of story? Or do you want to do your own thing and say, well, I don't care, you know, whether they like it or not. Well, I do care. <laughs> I, I care passionately whether I'm writing 
something that they're going to love. Absolutely. So I'm, I'm writing for them. I write for Audrey, but I also write for Nancy and, you know, some of the people who just adore my writing. And I want that. I want, I want them to be eager to get the next book and I want them to love it when they get it. Mm-hmm. So I have to be thinking about that and, and how they're going to react because I could come out of some left field with something and then I know they, they would be turned off by it. And it might be, oh, it's new and innovative and wonderful and I should put this in. And then, but then if you think they'll hate it, what's the point? Right. Because they're trusting that when they get your book, they're, they're knowing what they're going to expect. And you're, you've got a kind of an unspoken agreement, I think, with people. Absolutely. Exactly. A lot of trust. A lot of trust. And, yeah. and I'll bet you do that too when you read. There are some writers you trust and some you don't know as well. And, and they may disappoint you and maybe then you don't trust them as much. I think it gets into the thing, you know, I found many years ago, it's very hard, especially in nonfiction. I think fiction, you know, we're getting lost emotionally and we're escaping reality. But in nonfiction, it's really hard to get somebody to read your book. It's very, very difficult because our time is still the only valuable commodity that we truly have here. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like, you know, I don't know what you think about this. It seems like in some areas though that the society's attention span is also getting very uh, short and a bit fragmented because of all the options that we have out there. Um, So I think you do your, the idea of a romance that they're going to have to meet on the first page and you got to just get them right into it right away, or they got to get on their spaceship and it's exciting because we've got to capture them immediately, no matter what we're trying to put out there in order to engage. And then, like you said, like fulfill the trust that, that they have in you, that they want to spend their time and invest their time in this kind of a thing. So what do you think of that? I think that's true. I I uh, I know we we've we we've always had all these other distractions. That's that's for sure. Well, that's true. But I can imagine that not having a way to hook the reader in with a nonfiction book would be tough. <laughs> and so, um, what do you do? I mean, you must feel that you need. There must be something that you're going to do with the presentation of the book to lure them yeah in the some of my newer ones that have come out this year um i had past lives with pets Uh you know i mean we love pets i mean let's face it but there are a lot of people who believe they had a past life with their pets so i mean i just thought you know what's not to love there you know and i've heard from tons of readers you know it's just really they send me pictures of their little critters and it's just been so cute. And then I have a new one on ancestors because these are the ones that I'm publishing for the bigger publisher. I've kind of been a renegade and I've kind of done my own thing. I've created a lot of weird stuff that maybe people, you know, maybe it was kind of too far out. And now it seems to be coming into vogue after 20 years. I don't understand it, but when, (laughs) when the publisher wants it, they definitely have to have a hook, even in nonfiction. So we thought, okay, everybody loves animals. And I said, well, you know, I do this, genealogical regression process maybe I should write about that because the other piece is that you know everybody's into ancestry.com and ancestors so that's the my new release is about the ancestors because it's something that everybody's interested in so I definitely um know that yeah a traditional publisher of any kind is definitely going to need something you know that somebody wants (laughs) 
Well, and- which is why the indie publisher gets to do what they want and kind of experiment with things because again, you don't have a big staff with a budget that's waiting for you and stuff like that. So there's some freedom to explore on that. But I mean, even when I'm exploring, I think, well, if I think this is interesting, then there must be somebody else out here who thinks this is interesting. Mm-hmm. And over the years, um, I have found some strange people who do <laughs> tend to like a few of these weird things that I come up with, you know, but it's, it's a totally different thing, I think, when you're writing fiction, because you're really going to leave this third dimension and go into a space that's where you're just out of here, you know, which is a great place to be, especially during a pandemic, you know, let's get off of this planet, let's go onto the ship and get out of this universe for a while. And so I think that that's, I think that's why fiction is so important, really. Well, except we need nonfiction to learn things. And, and I, yeah, I think, I think you are right on with both the the pets and the ancestry, because, uh, People are curious and us, as a matter of fact, <laughs> I've been doing some cleaning out and finding stuff, you know, from my grandparents and passing stuff on to Audrey. And, um, and I think at some point when she has time, she's going to be looking into more of that. And, um, and we have, we've had a lot of speculation about our ancestors. I, I don't know if I ever told you that I, I had an aunt who's passed away now, but she was a genealogist. And, and because of her, so Audrey has a lot of her records, which is fabulous. Wow. Um, but um, she did enough digging to find out that um, one of our ancestors was hanged as a witch. Amazing. Fairfield, yeah, Fairfield Connecticut. That's incredible. And she, well, I didn't tell you this story because this is no. not a story. Um, and my aunt ferreted all this out, but but the woman who was hanged had a best friend and they told her if she would um, also implicate the best friend, which is what they used to do back then when they were doing this terrible stuff. Um, if, if she just implicate the best friend, then um, they would go easier on her. Who knows what that would have been, but she refused. And she said she did not rat on her best friend. And so she was hanged. And the best friend, being very smart, thought it was time to leave town. And so she she went back to England. And then my aunt did the research to find out that that woman was the ancestor of Winston Churchill, which means that my ancestor helped save the free world, (laughs) our ancestor, (laughs) because it's Audrey's too. Because wow. Winston Churchill would never have been born if this woman had been implicated and she would have, you see? <laughs> I mean, she would, that is have amazing. Watched, she would have died along with the other one probably and, and she wouldn't have gone back to England and, and however that goes, you know. Now maybe in all this metaphysical stuff you say, well, Winston Churchill would have been born regardless. I don't know, do you think? That's true. I still believe in the ancestry, you know. Yeah, I think so too. I, I don't think that that particular- Because he wouldn't have been the same person if he hadn't. No. Because the gist of the book is that when I take people into past lives, I'm trying to get them to the source event of something they want to find out, whether it's a trauma they want to clear or they want to get to a gift or talent. And if I don't feel like I've gotten there, then I take them down this other, you know, open up this other door in the multiverse, let's just say, and take them to- um an event that happened to one of the ancestors where it's almost like we're remote viewing on our own ancestors 
and we're sending them love and healing. And then we can bring that energy forward and it starts creating shifts in the body. And so part of when I was doing the research on the book, it's saying that 50% of your personality is coming straight through from the ancestors. And so from my perspective, I'm thinking, okay, so we need to clear our karma from our own past lives. And now we better be sending love and light and grace to the ancestors because that's really how we're showing up in the world. And so I definitely would say if Winston Churchill, you know, he would have needed to be connected to his lineage or else he wouldn't have been the same person. And then who knows all the things that wouldn't have happened. I mean, that is absolutely fascinating. Yeah, I love it. I, I just love it. You can it. fictionalize that. That would be a great story. <laughs> well, and you know, you know why I know this is because she had a daughter. She had a husband and the one that was hanged. She had a husband and a, and a daughter. I'm thinking of a wussy husband who didn't go right in there and save her, but he didn't, but she had a daughter. So here's this daughter the daughter of the one of a mother who was hanged as a witch. I mean, I can't imagine, but, um, but that's how, you know, that line continued because otherwise it wouldn't have. Right. And, and so the way it continued was through um, the Lewis sisters. And I was named Vicki Lewis Thompson, Vicki Lewis Shutt. My was my main name. Uh, Lewis is my real middle name, uh, which I've had ever since I was born. Wow. And I didn't know why. And I, my mother died uh, at 59, very young, but uh, I didn't think to ask her at that point, and I hadn't published anything at that point. And so, so I decided I was going to put the Lewis in there because at that time I was Thompson, and I still am. Vicki Thompson was too ordinary, and it was going to, there would be others. And so I put the Lewis in there, and then I thought, you know, I don't really know why I was named that. So I asked my aunt who was still alive and that's when she told me about the witch or the one, well, what we'll call a witch, you know, was hanged as a witch. She wasn't a healer, I'm sure. But, right. um, but it was through the Lewis sisters. And so I have that surname in my name. I think that's amazing. And it's and a great I, thing to I carry forward. I mean, you wouldn't be here. No, I would not. And so, um, yeah, I have tucked away in a closet a picture of the Lewis sisters, and boy, they were a grim-looking bunch. But <laughs> but um, but yeah, it that ancestry thing was almost lost to me, and yet clearly, it's yeah. Whether I would ever do anything with it, I've thought about it, and I, I there's still time. <laughs> There's still time. There's another book around the corner. It is so fascinating, though. I mean, that's a that's an incredible story. It is an incredible story. That's the thing, I guess. Um, I mean, I'm just now. I mean, even after writing that book, because that's more about hypnotic processes, I'm just now starting to say, okay, I might be interested in really digging into the ancestry. I have a cousin who's very interested in it, and other relatives who show me things from time to time. I think as you get older, you do start to say, wait a minute, maybe I want to know a few of these things. And I think it's so amazing that everybody's able to put these things online now and share in ways that we just were never able to do before. It's just so interesting to find out, you know, where did we actually come from and who are these people? And you think about even recently, we had a big ice storm in Dallas. We had no services. Yes, I know. Disaster. Uh And I thought, my God, I mean, we are one 
little disaster away from disaster, you know, and you wonder how did these ancestors even survive? Mm -hmm. Even if they weren't witches who were burned at the stake or hung. I mean, it's just so amazing that people survived and that we're even here to begin with, you know? So it's well, your parents are still around, you said, obviously, since you took them to be vaccinated. So yes. you, still, you can still go to them and ask questions. Exactly. exactly. And I, I didn't do that in a timely manner. And there, I, I would love to still be able to ask questions. Now, maybe I can do that through you. <laughs> yes, there you go. You can, you can have visionary encounters with your ancestors. And it's all like, well, am I making this up? Well, it comes from the same place as Audrey's space creatures and people, you know, it's that same, it's that same quality. Um, I think guided imagery comes from the same kind of place as fiction in a way. So cool. fabulous. So Audrey, I want to get on your mailing list immediately. What is your website? Tell us your website. It's, it's very easy. It's my name. So it's Audrey Sharp with an E, A-U-D-R-E-Y-S-H-A-R-P-E.com. Yay. We're going to go check it out. Get on our mailing list, friends. And Vicki, <laughs> what is your website? Tell us again. Same thing. VickiLewisThompson.com. Okay, awesome. It's we will have links. K-I. L-E-W-I-S-T-H-O-M-P-S-O-N.com. Amazing. You two are wonderful. I am so happy for you. I love that you're working together and I just wish you tons of happiness and continued success in everything that you're doing. Thank you. Friends, Thank you check these out. You are going to love it. I will have the links and we will see some more exciting friends and guests on the next episode of Healing Arts. We'll be right back. Hey friends, guess what? I've got a new book coming out from Llewellyn Worldwide on March 8th called Heal Your Ancestors to Heal Your Life. This book is based on something I call genealogical regressions. Because sometimes when I'm working with clients, I go into their past lives and I realize this is not the source event of the challenge. We need to send light and love to ancestors in order to make our lives the wonderful places that we want to be. So I hope you'll check out my new book and stay tuned for class announcements, book signings, and more as March gets closer. Heal Your Ancestors to Heal Your Life, coming March 8th from Llewellyn Worldwide. Welcome back to Healing Arts. I'm Dr. Shelley Kerr. Visit me online at www.pastlifelady.com. I hope you have an amazing week. So please take time to take care of yourself. Take a walk outside. Um, we've just had the first day of May and all of those festivities. So we're getting ready to cross into summer here pretty soon. So I hope you're having a chance to get out and enjoy this wonderful weather. 
And I talked to some students here recently also about the fact that we have been locked up now for a year and in some places we're starting to become more open. Other places are just now starting to get unlocked. So I hope that this continues and I just hope that whatever's going on with you and your family and everything that you all are safe and you're well and that things are going good for you. And I'm just hoping to God that they continue to go well so that we can just eventually get back together at some point in the hopefully not too distant future. So please take care. Have a blessed day. And I can't wait to see you again on the next episode of Healing Arts. Healing Arts is sponsored in part by PastLifeLady.com, my official website where you can find information about past life regression, my books, energy healing methods, gems, stones, and minerals, and more. Visit PastLifeLady.com for more details and through the generous donations from supporters like you. Click on the links to discover how you can support the Healing Arts Program. And thank you in advance. Namaste. Thank you.